0: We had Culture Con in New York City, four thousand people, and then I had one week, and then the next week was Bravo Con in New York City, like twenty thousand people, and I'm leading both of these. They're in the same month. They're a week apart, and but both got my full attention, and I think that was when I really recognized, you know, the little whisper that I really did not want to hear.
1: You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope that you are all doing well. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we are jumping into a powerful chat with CEO and founder of CultureCon and the CCNYC, Imani Ellis. CultureCon is a conference and platform celebrating the impact diverse voices have on the culture. From building a business to building a life, CultureCon was born from community. The creative collective, the CCNYC, is a community dedicated to creating brave spaces for diverse creatives. It was born in Imani's one-bedroom apartment and offers educational resources and networking opportunities. Additionally, Imani has been named a 2022 Breakthrough Creative by Ebony and a Diversity Champion by Adweek. She has been recognized by Forbes as a visionary and one to watch by Black Enterprise. Imani graduated from Vanderbilt University with a major in communications and film. Before we dive into this chat, I just want to remind you that in addition to this podcast, I curate a bi-weekly wellness newsletter called Eleven, where I share 11 wellness-related musings I came across over the past two weeks and write light reflections on life lessons that I am integrating. It is totally free and you can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes. And one more thing before we move on. If at any point during this episode, you feel moved or inspired, please take a moment to rate and leave a review for the show. It would mean a lot to me and it will help me bring on more inspiring folks like Imani. Let's do this. I hope you're ready. Here is my inspiring chat with Imani Ellis. Welcome to the show, Imani. Thank you for being here.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. So we're going to dive into a lot of things about your story and your journey. And even at the top of the episode, everybody was briefed on how amazing you are. But I want to kick off this chat with an honest check-in and ask you how you're feeling in this moment. What emotional, spiritual, or physical themes have been coming up for you lately?
0: Yeah, I, I'm really feeling centered. Um, this is like a really special, Special week. I think it's my official like one month anniversary of being a full-time CEO. And I'm just kind of removing the rush. So I'm not feeling hurried. I'm not feeling rushed. I'm feeling like centered. Um, And as my pastor would say, it is well with my soul. So I'm, I'm content.
1: I love that for you. I love that for you. That's what I wish for everybody. And I hope that you continued, fe- you continue feeling centered and, um, grounded because you are on a mission, on a very real mission. I think it's a soul led mission. I can, I can kind of tell it oozes out of you. It, um, everything that you're, you have your hands in, it seems like it's very aligned with uplifting the culture and uplifting people and creating opportunities for folks to just tap in and realize their potential. And that's a gift that you have. And, I'm glad that you are censored enough to continue sharing that gift with all of us. Throughout the season, I'm invested in exploring the ways in which community leaders have been self preserving despite all of the chaos that has presented itself over the past few years. I wanna dive into what your inner world has been like. What has your inner landscape looked like since 2020? And in general, what has it been like to be you?
0: Oh my gosh, since 2020? Like that, that's <laughs> such a, <laughs> there's so much because I was a completely different person. Like I was completely a different person. I was so output driven. Um, I was so like, I will sleep when I die. I was just a completely different person. And I probably, I don't even know what that would have looked like. It was not sustainable. It had sustained me so far, but it was not sustainable. And I think I'll never forget FaceTiming my mom in March of 2020. And she's in Georgia. There's like chirping behind her I'm in Harlem on the like first floor of an apartment it's dark and she's like you should just just come to Georgia for a little while just come like visit us in Georgia and it like changed my life because I got into nature I was with my family everyone was forced to slow down no matter how busy you were and it was just I think I, I knew I could never go back The way that I was, I always was going to have a hunger to work hard, but I knew that it couldn't be, it could no longer be my entire identity. And so, where I am now, post 2020, is really working to build a whole life versus this is my work and this is my fun. It's kind of like, how am I feeling? And that includes work and play, not how am I feeling just um, as a CEO or how am I feeling just in all my relationships? Like, how am I building a life that I'm proud of holistically? And I don't think I was thinking that way when I went into 2020.
1: Do you think that there was a hidden blessing in it despite how horrible that time was? Do you think that it was almost like the the reset that you absolutely needed and it wouldn't have happened otherwise?
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, there was so much tragedy that came out of that situation. And um, I don't know if you can even call it a silver lining, but the silver lining of it, right. Was that there was this reset. Um, You know, I have three siblings. We're all adults now. And we called it the second chance because we all went back to my parents' house.
1: We wow. all went back
0: to my parents' house and we sat in our like kid seats at dinner like we had when we were in high school and middle school, except for this time we're in our thirties yeah. and we were able to kind of see our parents with more empathy and see each other with more empathy. And that then you have when you're 17 years old and you're just like, oh, don't talk to me. <laughs> and I couldn't get enough. It definitely was a reset and really a blessing, you know, for us to be able to be thankful for what had been in front of us all along.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure your parents were like, this is great having
0: all the kids back home. (laughs) They were elated. And, you know, it was funny though, because we all were in our childhood bedrooms and I would take a sticky note and I went around and I was like, apartment one, apartment two, apartment three, and my dad was like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh. These are not apartments. You all are visiting." Um, so it was just very funny, just to kind of like all be together again.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for parents, oftentimes once their kids leave, it's like they're not gonna come back. So right. for all three of you to be there, I'm sure the conversations over dinner and just in general were were really beautiful. I'm glad you had that that pause and that home that you could go back to. So being a leader that is looked to by many for inspiration and guidance, how have you navigated that role during a time in history that has demanded the ultimate level of self-care as a pathway to survive?
0: I think, you know, I've always been really fascinated just by humanity and I'm a huge empath. So I feel energy. I feel it very, I'm very sensitive to it. And so I think what I recognized in this moment was something that hasn't been far off from my North Star for a while, which is like humanity first. So that wasn't a really big shift for me, but I think it just got turned up a notch. So it just was like, what do you need? How can we provide it? And that we were all in it together. And so we would start calls with like, how are we feeling versus like the agenda? Right. And if it was a really heavy day, we would just kind of say, you know what, I don't think we need to get work done today. And so just being flexible to kind of the bigger mission, which is that everyone feels that they are safe and that they can be brave. I think that was our North star. And once that's the priority, then authentic work will follow. But that was our championing cry was how is everyone feeling, doing, and if you need time, take time. And we're all going to just figure this out together because no one had ever seen it before in our lifetime. And so we didn't know if we were going to be inside, you know, for three months or three years and we throw conferences. So it was a little bit like, what does the future look like? Um, And on the other end of that spectrum, I'm an introvert. So I had friends who were like losing their mind. Like they were like, I gotta be outside. I'm losing my mind. Cat, like you were chilling. I, I mean, I at first I resisted it mm-hmm. because it was so different from the life that I had known. So I resisted it and I woke up and I would put on my clothes and I would kind of walk around like I was going to work. But then when I realized that we could not resist it because we were all collectively experiencing it, yeah, I think I relaxed into who I truly am, which is an introvert. Mm. And I did puzzles and I read and I went to museums, you know, it was, I don't know. Like that was my natural habitat.
1: That sounds like it was lovely. (laughs) Have you done your Myers-Briggs? Have you done your Myers-Briggs test? I
0: I have, but you know what? I don't remember the results. So like, I got to go back.
1: It might tell you you're, you're you test as like an introvert.
0: Oh yeah. Which is ironic
1: because you host conferences.
0: Well, I'm an introvert in my natural habitat, but I can become an extrovert like in work settings. So like when I'm like in relaxed mode, I'm very introverted, but, um, you know, when needed, I can become an extrovert and like flex that out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's dope.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So were there any particular moments where you had to take a step back and enact Energetic boundaries that you hadn't before. I mean, having that realization that you are an introvert and things were changing, and you know, you had to take a pause and kind of assess whether you were even in the headspace to do certain things. Was there ever a moment where you were like, "Oh, moving forward, I'm gonna have to put up this boundary because I learned from this experience now, and I don't want to go back there."
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I love that question because I think. The boundary that i realized was that work wasn't my identity um, i really think i had to learn that because i it wasn't like it was my identity like i had nothing else to offer but i think being a former ballerina being a former athlete you're almost addicted and trained to be output driven like what place did you get in the race? If you did not get first, second or third, why were you even at the race? And so when you're doing that at a very young age, um, you know, I got a track scholarship. I was running hurdles and I did ballet for 14 years. So I was very, you know, um, conditioned to be output driven. Now, that's great for um, leadership because you're efficient and you don't spend a lot of time on busy work. It's just like what's the right work. So in that way, being output driven is great. But when it comes to building a whole life, it kind of becomes hard to have things like hobbies because you're like, what What is the reason for this? Right. What is the output for this? Like, I'm just learning how to paint, and so I had to figure out how to become my whole self again. And so the boundaries that I was putting into practice was. Imani, you're a hard worker. Believe that, understand that. But at six o'clock, you're going to need to like use your brain and your energy in a different way. You're going to need to find some hobbies. My sister, my little sister, she's always reading me in the best way. Like, <laughs> what are your hobbies? like? And so I started going to museums. I started going to estate sales. That's like wow. my jam. Um, and I started learning how to cook um, because I wanted to really create a full life versus like we work in the morning we eat dinner then we work at night and that was kind of what I was doing I was just working a lot and then calling that a life
1: yeah and I mean given the filter that you had that was success for you or like that was good until it clicked that there's something that is skewed here and I need to reassess
0: Absolutely.
1: Interesting. So, you recently made the decision to exit out of your corporate career to focus exclusively on expanding CCNYC and CultureCon, which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Huge. Externally, it appeared like a seamless transition, you know, on the internet, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure there was a lot going on behind the scenes as you considered becoming a full time CEO. So can you offer us a glimpse into what it felt like as you prepared to pursue your own dreams full time?
0: Yeah, you know, it was um, definitely bittersweet because I was working in two of my dream jobs working at NBC was I would always specifically wanted to work there um, at that specific company in that specific city of New York City. And also I could feel that culture con was just growing and growing and 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 the impact that it was having, I think even surprised me. Um, and so, you know, my dad had always said, go from something to something. You don't have to jump out of the window when you have ideas. You can really kind of see your life as like, okay, like what's next? What's next? And so I think the seed was definitely planted in during the pandemic because of my priority of like being close to family and being, you know, in nature. But I think what really started to happen was CultureCon was growing at a speed that I had never anticipated. We were doing a three-city tour, and then as vice president at NBC, I was leading BravoCon. And I think the The moment that I was like, oh my goodness, because I go, go, go mode was we had Culture Con in New York City, 4,000 people. And then I had one week. And then the next week was Bravo Con in New York City, like 20,000 people. And I'm leading both of these. They're in the same month. They're a week apart. And, but both got my full attention. And I think that was when I really recognized, you know, the little whisper that I really did not want to hear. I was a very reluctant entrepreneur. I wasn't like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have my own bit. I was very like, no, like I'm a corporate baddie. That's my, no, like, <laughs> I don't want to, but it just kept pulling me and pulling me. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't. And, and so it got to the point where I said, you know what? You're never going to get the opportunity again to bet on yourself and this mission. And I think I, I, I pulled, cat I pulled out the cheesy line. I was like, if not you, then who, if not now, then when? For real. And I just, I just jumped. And I think, you know, my parents co-signing that decision, knowing what I was leaving behind, but seeing the vision that definitely gave me courage um, because they've seen my entire trajectory. So that definitely, they were like, oh, Imani, like, this is, this is your calling, we see this. I think that was kind of the last little like, mm, that I, I needed, but I think, it, you know, it's so important how you leave people. My boss at NBC one of, is one of my closest friends. We, you know, we were working together for 10 years. And so it was just a beautiful, like love letter. Um, closing a chapter, it was the only job I ever had. So I closed that chapter, I learned so much and I was able to usher in like a new dream. Um, and I love that you said it was seamless on the back end. I was like, I wasn't sure, but in the end I had such a peace about it that I knew it was like the right thing to do.
1: Right. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't scary, even though it was, on purpose and it was intentional and it was soul led it doesn't mean that it's going to be without fear because it's still a massive transition you are fully betting on yourself you have people that are betting on you and supporting themselves through you there's a lot to contend with but i'm so glad that you chose yourself i'm so glad that your parents held you through that and and reminded you of who you really are because our doubts can get in the way and the what-ifs and all that stuff can really start to impede what the vision is, but in reality, there's nothing getting in the way of this. Like everybody wants this. And I know, you know that, but I'm going to tell you everybody
0: wants this. Yes. And, and we're, it's just to be in service of the community and to be able to, you know, to be able to build it right with a team that also has the same mission is, it's just an honor. And I think that's what is our North star is, Everyone is always asking, like, "What's next? What's next?" And you'll kind of like go down a spiral. What's next in yourself? Um, and I just have found such solace in being like, "Whatever the community needs is what's next." Versus trying to give myself this ten-year plan. It's like we're gonna see. We're gonna we're we're in this car together,
1: right? So you're present. You're present in the experience. Absolutely. And that's that's beautiful. So that in 20 years, you can look back on on this journey and all the things that you're doing and it won't be like, oh, what happened? You know, sometimes people are on autopilot and they don't even remember what happens. seems like you're going to remember all of it. And that's beautiful.
0: I'm going to remember it all. Yes, for sure.
1: Well, so I want to close out with one last question. And it is, if you could share any advice with leaders, particularly Black women and women of color, regarding how to preserve a balance between serving others and maintaining a harmonious inner landscape, what would it be?
0: Wow, such a beautiful question. The piece of advice I would give is to always remember your why. Um, I think you do need a place to return to when there's a lot of opinions of what you should do, because I think it can be very exciting to have a lot of ideas swirling around you. And you do want to seek counsel on, you know, before making big decisions. But sometimes it really, my dad says, and my mom says, sometimes you just feel it here. And sometimes I'll have these spidey senses, you know, I think it's the spirit leading me that's like, go this way, go that way. And so I've had a lot of, you know, do it this way and do it that way. And sometimes I think you can get lost in the sauce, like, well, yeah. should I? And so just stick with your why. And then when opportunities come your way, if it aligns with your why, go that way. But if it doesn't, don't try to fit, you know, a square into a circle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Imani. Thanks for being here with us. I'm sure everybody will take a lot out of this and can't wait to see you at the next culture Con. Thank you, Kat. This was great. If you want to follow along Imani's journey on the internet, head over to the show notes where I have linked all of her platforms, along with links to learn more about CultureCon and the CCNYC. Thank you for choosing to spend time with us. I appreciate you, and I will talk to you next week.